Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. Now God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding. His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life. It's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious. Think well. Advance good. This is Q. We brought home two young children from Guatemala, and for 13 years it's been really amazing. And then last year there was this little thing called Charlottesville. As we watched some of that and tried to unpack some of that with our children, one evening my son, who's just, he's amazing and he's always asking a million questions, he started crying and he's like, are they going to take us home? Are they going to take us out of here? That was Jose Reyes. Uh, No, not the baseball player, but he is introducing us to this week's topic on Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Hi, I'm Paul Perot from Faith Radio. Thanks for listening this Labor Day weekend. Jose will join us later in the show to talk about his life as a third culture American, someone who, although his family emigrated to the U.S., he was raised mostly in the American context, but still has elements of his parents' home culture. And this can lead to a conundrum where he's not viewed as an American, but he's also not of his parents' culture either. As we look at race and ethnic tensions in our nation, it's a perspective that is often overlooked. Now, before we get to Jose's talk, Gabe, for the last few months, we've been talking about the new Q Media platform at QIdeas.org. It features not only a lot of the Q Conference and Q Commons talks, some of which we hear on this show, but also a lot of curated content, including some exclusive content. And we want to highlight one of those this week. Tell us about it. I'm excited to introduce you to a new podcast exclusively on our Q Media Network, Book Notes with John Tyson. So the idea behind this podcast is pretty simple. We know that you as a leader, you're influential, which means you're tired. You have a stack of books. That means you aren't getting through them, but you know you need to be getting through them. There's important reads out there that all of us are, are wanting to make sure we're having the best thinking or understanding, not just the current moment, but historically. How should we be thinking about particular topics and issues? John Tyson is one of the most well-read people I know. He consumes books every week, two books a week that he's reading. And it's not that he just reads them and quickly consumes them. He actually has recall. He remembers what he reads. It's what makes him a great teacher, a great pastor, a great leader, is he has a great ability to visually recall everything that's going through him on that book. And so on this particular podcast, the, the idea is is to give you the best thinking from John about what you love about this book and what you maybe need to be cautious about. What are some of the ways you can glean from it, and what are some of the ways in which you can apply core ideas from these books? And so we're going to deal with current books that just released, but we're also going to look back historically. We're going to look at the way the church thinks about things. How can we as Christians be thinking well about this moment and how we lead well in culture? And so I'm excited for this first episode. John's going to kick us off with a great book titled Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. So let's listen in now. For someone who's interested in shaping culture, this is one of those books that shows you how culture is shaping you. And that if you live by the defaults our culture hands us, that you're going to be, you're going to be deeply, deeply deformed. And so in many ways, this is, this is almost a book on Um, spiritual formation via technology. 
You're listening to Book Notes, a Q Media podcast, and I'm your host, John Tyson. This book is a fantastic book. This book is a triage book for your life. What book is this? It's the book Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. Now, I don't know if you've heard of Cal Newport. I don't, I don't know if you've heard of this book. I read several of his other books. The last book I read of his that I loved that actually changed my entire workflow was a book called Deep Work. But here's what I love about this one. Digital Minimalism, in some sense, is a recap and a reframing of the core principles of Deep Work, but pushed out for everybody. Now, Cal Newport is uh, basically being called the Marie Kondo of technology. He's, he wants to tidy up and uh, declutter your digital life so that you can thrive and you can have peace. He's an associate professor of computer science at Georgetown University. He's written six very practical and helpful books. And this book is essential for everybody who uses any technology. This is for you. So his basic idea is that The benefits that technology is giving us are not worth the cost we pay to utilize it. So he basically says these micro benefits of convenience are actually robbing us in some senses of our deep humanity, our ability to concentrate and our understanding and enjoyment of our lives. All the statistics are out. He has many, many, many of them about how people are basically depressed and unhappy and overwhelmed and sad by the role of increasing uh, media intrusion into their lives. So first of all, his deconstruction of that is breathtaking. His understanding of how um, the brain is formed, how dopamine is utilized, very, very interesting. The abuse uh, and challenges that likes and liking uh, have introduced into social media and what an absolute tyrant they become in our attention spans. The chapter on that is absolutely breathtaking you will be utilizing this everywhere. And it does have um, resonances with TechWise Family by Andy Crouch, but I love this. I love digital minimalism. So let me just give you sort of an overview, a big breakdown. He talks about making sure you do a digital declutter. And so he basically asks you, imagine a whole 30 for your phone, a 30-day period during which you take a break from optional technologies in your life. And he goes through and he articulates what they are. And says, during this 30-day break, you're not just abstaining, but you explore and rediscover real-world activities and behaviors that you find meaningful, life-giving, and satisfying. In essence, the goal is to reclaim those hobbies and delights and practices that actually give you life in the real world, rather than just having your phone glued to your arm while you're infinitely scrolling. What did you used to do that you loved that you've forgotten about or neglected? So during this 30-day break, you replace your digital addiction with these real-life behaviors. And at the end of the break, you reintroduce optional technologies, but you start from a blank slate. And for each technology you reintroduce, you determine what value it serves in your life and how you you can maximize the value of what it's actually bringing to you. And so will this really help me? And so you're basically adding in one thing at a time, seeing its impact on your life, and then you're trying to figure out the way that um, it's going to shape you. Now, what, what benefits do you have as a follower of Jesus? Like what ways as disciples of Jesus in our culture that declutter is a gentle word to describe, maybe like total technology confusion, overwhelm, what value do we find? Well, I actually think that this is actually a key part of discipleship. Um, we, we are inundated with, with uh, information in our lives. These micro practices, so for example, you stand there at, in line 
You're bored. What's the first thing you do? Pull out your phone, check social media. And then you put it back in your pocket and you realize the line's not moving. So you pull your phone out again and look at the same feed, seeing if one friend's introduced one new photo or you've got one more like. So we're, we're so shaped by these micro practices that the cumulative effect of those is that we can no longer pay attention. We can't be present. We're always distracted. We're plagued by comparison. And these things are basically choking out the fruit of the spirit in our lives. And so I think that this is an essential book to actually touch the practices of our lives, the ways that technology is touching us, shaping us, our attention span. It's causing compassion fatigue in us. And so this is, this is a way of pushing back on those things. I also uh, like his nuance here. He's not a Luddite. He's not arguing that all technologies are evil. He's not trying to reclaim some sort of uh, technological fundamentalism. He's actually really trying to help us like have tools that serve us rather than masters that own us. So I, I think um, this is very, very important for everybody who has a smartphone or, or lives with technology. But if you're a parent, a parent, I consider this to be absolutely essential for you. In terms of theological notes, this is not an explicitly Christian book at all. It's basically a practical book about living in society. And I would encourage you, if you like digital minimalism, which is about developing a philosophy of technology, let that phrase sink in. I have a philosophy of technology and how I use it. If this appeals to you, I do recommend that as a follow-up, you go back and listen to Deep Work because in Deep Work, he talks about how we actually generate the core messages and products of our lives. And for you, the Q audience, those of you who love culture, shaping culture, engaging culture, and you care about contributing and influencing culture, he has a very, very, very good workflow about how to engage and be a creative, like what are the best practices for being generative in your life by guarding technology and by working deeply. So I think that these things paired together are going to be very, very helpful for you. In terms of reservations, I actually have no reservations about this book. This book's a total upside. You know, if you're a parent and you can find some way to negotiate with your child to read this book or you even better can do a summary of this book yourself and have a conversation with your teenagers, maybe do a digital detox together as a family, I think this could bear tremendous fruit. So have a read. Let us know what you think. That again was the first episode of John Tyson's Book Notes, and it's an exclusive feature on the Q Media platform at qideas.org. To have access to this and other great content and have the ability to bring it to others in your circle, you need to register for Q Media at qideas.org. Again, this is Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons for this Labor Day weekend, which means fall is on the way. And so is our special evening event coming up on Thursday, October 24th, called Q Commons. On this particular night, you're going to hear talks, you're going to engage with neighbors, you're going to hear differing opinions, but we're going to set aside our differences to come together and listen to one another. You see, listening is actually part of the antidote to a lot of the problems that we face in our society. And what makes this evening so special is that Q Commons events happen in cities all around the country and the world. This year, the national speakers include author and journalist Malcolm Gladwell, who will discuss talking with strangers. For the generation of high school dropouts who are African American, who were born in the 1970s, 70% of them at some point in their life have been behind bars. If you are from one of those communities and you see an entire generation of young men in prison, Do you think the system will seem legitimate to you? 
Pastor and author Francis Chan will be speaking on building true community. I would actually need these brothers and sisters in my life and tell them, hey, don't let me slow down and I won't let you slow down. We gotta stay on this mission together. To stay on mission every day, I, I need people because I'm gonna get distracted. There's so many things I would rather do than make disciples. And so I need people in my life to tell me this. That's what I would get out of scripture is, I had to go out and start making disciples. And as I did that, I really believe that I would start gathering with other people doing the same thing. And Gabe, your wife, Rebecca, will offer encouragement to establish daily rhythms. Meaning follows surrender. Doesn't come before surrender. Meaning, we all want a life of meaning, but we're unwilling to surrender the life we're currently living. Plus, at each Q Commons location, there will be up to three local speakers on topics of importance to your local community. Now, maybe you're listening and thinking, I'd like to explore bringing Q Commons to my city. Because, Gabe, after all, there are local issues where we as Christians really should have a voice for change and restoration. And so would you commit and join with us on this one night for Q Commons so that you can be a part of the solution? Why not explore the opportunity of hosting a Q Commons event on Thursday, October 24th? Visit QCommons.com and fill out the form to host an event. Again, that's QCommons.com. Let's get back to this week's Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. As again, we're talking about race and ethnic relations in the U.S. or the hindrances to healing in this issue. And Gabe, it's often labeled a black and white issue, but what about people from other ethnic backgrounds? Or how about people whose parents are from another country, but they themselves have been raised here in America and have a mixed cultural background? There's so many different angles to it. It's very complex. Depending on where you've come from, you have a different lived experience. And so there's a lot of education that has to happen. And we believe here at Q, the more we can be educated, we can learn, we can hear different perspectives. It starts to then shape how we're going to respond, how we're going to think well, how we're going to lead well in a culture where there's a lot of questions and not always great answers. And so today, this talk, if you listen to this interview, it's just wonderful between Sho Baraka, who helped co-host Q in 2018, along with a good friend of ours who's been a part of this community for many years, Jose Reyes. And Jose and Nicole have been a part of Q for many, many years. And for this particular interview at Q, I asked Jose, would he be willing to share from his perspective what it's like to have a third culture perspective? Now, if you're not familiar with what this means, third culture perspective, you're going to hear more about it. But essentially, you're going to get to hear what is it like for somebody who immigrates, who, who lives here or their parents moved here and live in America. And then you're raised in a home where your parents come from a different culture, but you're growing up in American culture. And that can just create some new complexities that maybe some of you've never thought about before or ever heard about. And so let's listen in now and learn from this conversation between Sho and Jose. You do a lot of work in Atlanta with MetaLeap as a designer, um, but we're not here to talk about your design. We're here to talk about <laughs> you as an individual, as a citizen, but oftentimes feeling like your story and your narrative is not heard nor expressed. What is it like being a Latino American in 2018? <laughs> uh, that's a big question to answer. Um, first, I am the son of Jose Germán uh, Reyes Sanchez and of Carmen Dolores 
Reyes Feliciano, both born in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And um, what it means to be a Latino here in the United States is challenging. It's, mm -hmm. it's perplexing. It's disorienting in 2018. My parents, uh, they were born in 1934 and 1944 in Puerto Rico in two small towns, both sort of very humble upbringing. And they came here to the United States when my dad was in the military. And, um, and they wanted a different life for us. They wanted, a, they wanted us to be acclimated. Yeah. And they afforded us um, some privilege. And they wanted a, li a different life than what they saw. And so, um, and they gave that to us. And in that involved um, language. And they decided, along with so many other people of that generation, to say, hey, we want our kids to do great here. So we're not going to teach them our language. Mm. And it only comes much later when you realize, and they've even apologized for that, saying, oh, man, I wish, I wish we hadn't done that. And, um, and I love them for that. Mm. Um, so what it means to be a Latino here in the United States is, is disorientating 2018, mm. given sort of the political climate and just kind of what's going on everywhere. Considering that in the last decade, uh, last two decades, uh, Latino Americans have accounted for a large growth within this country, and representation is huge, right? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like Latino Americans are represented well in this country? And if not, <laughs> how are we feeling, I guess? Mm -hmm. um, I think that, it, again, the, the challenge is simply how do we, how do we um, sort of invite all of our um, our brothers and sisters into conversations. Um, how and where are we giving access to our brothers and sisters? I think if you look at in sort of the different channels, things like culture making and film, you can look at film and music. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, Luis Fonsi and um, Despacito, you know, that was a huge song last year. And, um, you know, they won really big in the Grammys, but in terms of the, um, I mean, in the Latin Grammys, but in the Grammy Awards, you know, they were sort of left out of that. And I think in film and things like that, that Latinos are still sort of underserved. Yeah. So you, you talk about feeling like you're American, but also feeling like a foreigner. Mm-hmm. Right? I, explain that to us. And also, like, how do you make that spiritual connection as well? Hmm. So we talk a lot about um, the idea of being a third culture kid. For me, I came to understand probably about 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And basically, third culture is simply um, your parents place of origin, where they came from, Puerto Rico, and then they came to the United States, and then there's this new culture, sort of the American culture, and then I'm being raised in that, and that's the third culture, is the assimilation of those two cultures. And so you end up with kind of not quite sure where to go, and you sort of feel like a chameleon in many ways, you know, who am I, um, where is home for me, mm -hmm. uh, what is identity, uh, what does it mean to be known, yeah. and it's very disorienting. Yeah. Um, and it's just disorienting, especially being a light-skinned Hispanic. Yeah. And so you have kind of what's kind of a little bit like a caste system wow. um, within the culture. And even, you know, because of my parents choosing not to teach me um, Spanish, there's a lot of shame yeah. that exists around that. Um, not just for me, but for so many people that I know. Yeah. Um, and it's difficult. So you're, you're Puerto Rican, and mm -hmm. you were telling me that your son made a statement about when, you, when, when he hears people speak poorly about Mexicans, he feels like they're talking about me as well. Mm -hmm. Like, sure, like, sure, it has sure. to be very painful. Like, uh. <laughs> uh, it is. So my, uh, my wife and I, 13 years ago, we, um, we brought home two young children from Guatemala. 
And for 13 years, it's been really amazing. And then last year, there was this little thing called Charlottesville. And um, as we watched some of that and tried to unpack some of that with our children, one evening, my son, who's just, he's amazing, and he's always asking a million questions. And so um, he just said, he started crying, and he's like, are they going to take us home? Are they going to take us out of here? Am I safe? Is this going to happen here? And it was the sort of the first time that my wife and I really began experiencing sort of some of the things of me growing up, just sort of racism, but also now I was seeing this sort of fear beginning to build up where he began to understand sort of who he was and, and what was happening in the culture around him. So it was, it was pretty scary. Do you, it's got to be exhausting. Do you ever feel, like, how do you feel with your identity and a lot of the political discourse that's happening consistently people from Latin country or Latin America, uh, or Latino Americans better yet, Mm -hmm. and countries like Puerto Rico, their identity is consistently tied to immigration and and politics. Like, how does that make you feel? Like, how how do you feel (laughs) that? Um, well, I mean, in lieu of uh, Hurricane Maria yeah. from last year and sort of how that devastated the island of Puerto Rico, um, I mean, it, you can you feel very left out. Um, and in some ways, that's, that's connected me more to this island that I'm from. Um, and being island-born, there are things that you, you recall and you remember just from trips and visiting. And um, again, you feel alone and alienated. And yeah. it's I was talking to some friends of mine, and I've just been thinking a lot about the story of Moses. And, you know, Moses was um, adopted into Pharaoh's court, and he was in a place of privilege and position. And he ended up overseeing, you know, slaves and the, the, um, the Hebrews and the Jews. And so he, I don't know if he ever learned the language. I don't know if he ever learned Hebrew, but um, he was in a place of real privilege. And then he came into close contact with his identity. And then he was really unsure of what it meant to lead these people. And would they accept him? Would they acknowledge him? And um, in many ways, um, you know, you end up feeling a little bit like an alien, um, even though there's conversations around it, but it's not positive. You know, the word immigrant is not a positive word. And it's usually connected with so many other things that just kind of have baggage and there's just sort of negative connotation around that. So as a third culture individual, do you, you obviously have to operate and maneuver within a lot of different spaces. So mm-hmm. majority white spaces, maybe multicultural spaces, mm-hmm. but you usually don't feel at home in any of those spaces. No. <laughs> Where do you fit? When do you have time to be yourself or do you ever feel like you can be yourself? That's a really great question. Um, I feel myself when I'm outside of a Puerto Rican food truck and there's salsa going on and everyone's dancing and we're eating like uh spanish food and yeah. platanos and acapurria and yeah. stuff like that and you're you're just like i'm home yeah. and there have been these like instances in my life where i'm here in the states and i love being here we love traveling and it's the weirdest thing where because i grew up in tampa in very much like a home that was like the puerto rican flag was like flying over it mm-hmm. you know and, um, but whenever I, I, I've left that, that life of growing up between 10 and, and actually zero to 18 and then going into this sort of general culture, um, whenever I'm traveling and I, he- even if I hear people speaking Spanish, it's like this thing 
that happens. You just, it's like that scene in Ratatouille where he eats the Ratatouille mm-hmm. and he immediately he goes back and he's like, I'm home. It's like that. <laughs> but I'm really sad. Yeah. Uh, mm. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Jose Reyes. Thank you, brother. hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation and it's so helpful just to hear jose his perspective just how his parents thought about immigration and even just what now that word immigrant means to somebody who's immigrated here or grown up in a family where immigration was a part of that story and if you really think about it that's been part of everyone's story who lives in america throughout your heritage when you look past generations that somebody immigrated to this country And so depending on what generation you're in, how fresh and new that is in your life, it can create a lot of different conversations and tensions. Well, as we move forward, I just want to continue to invite you to come to QIdeas.org. Every day you can see a new Q moment. And this has been really fun. Even the last two months, we launched the new QIdeas.org. You can sign up now to receive weekly five of the moments from the week or daily a moment. And I know I love seeing it in my inbox every morning. I wake up to one-minute clips of some of the best moments in Q Talks. It always gets my mind going, thinking about an issue. We try to time those to be relevant and interesting and current to the issues and topics that are being discussed every day. And if you like that, the new platform, Q Media, which is now available on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, you can go in now and download that app and subscribe to Q Media, where you're going to have courses from us. You're going to have playlists on all of these topics from racism, like we discussed some today, to technology, to LGBT, sexuality, faith and work. What does it mean to think about politics well? So you can go into these playlists and see some of our best talks. So it's organized in such a way that you can sit with your friends, you can sit with your kids. I know me and my teenagers and and Rebecca will watch certain episodes from some of the documentaries or series that we have on the Q Media platform, and it creates amazing conversation at a moment where people are having a hard time knowing how to talk about difficult topics. And so we want to be that partner to you to help you uh, catalyze those types of conversations, which will help our learning, help our understanding, and help us have confidence as we try to lead and advance good in our society. Well, thank you for being with us again for this edition of the Q Podcast. Looking forward to continuing to learn together in the weeks ahead. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.